Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's <laughs> gonna pop eight and you're gonna pop her out, man. So we're going, we moved into the balls D portion of <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. Like, like Mex- Mexican ago. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. It is the Monday after Thanksgiving. Hope you all stuffed yourselves silly with turkey and tofurkey for our vegetarian friends out there. Uh, we are with the OG original gangster cast today. Pat, unfortunately, cannot make it due to the holidays, but... I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Adrian. What's up, man? It's happening, Irish. It's like whack-a-mole. Each week, you're like, yeah. uh, I wonder who's not going to be there this week. <laughs> That's why we added Pat, <laughs> so we could have a rotating door when one of us couldn't make it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, what was the last time all three of us were on? I can't even remember. Uh, probably close to a month ago. Yeah, I wasn't even going to be on this week because I had a bunch of stuff to do, but then I was able to sneak you guys in for some quality, quality legacy time. Yeah, it looks like it worked out. Yeah, except then Pat's like, I gotta dodge Jerry. <laughs> of course, I mean, as he always does. He, he dodged me yet again this weekend at the uh, SCGIQ, so I've I've grown to expect it. Did he, he made it up there, though? No, he didn't make it. Oh, okay. Just he, was, he was scared. Mm. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I didn't head up there either. I still, I still don't quite have merfolk together yet, but that's, uh. Yeah, I was I was listening to uh, the podcast uh, from last week. Good good job, you guys held it down. Uh, you're missing three force of wills and a place out of wastelands. Is that right? Uh, three force of wills, four wastelands, and then whatever I want to stick in the sideboard. And it looks like I'm actually. Uh, let's see if I did the math out right. Uh, today's Monday, so I picked up three force of wills last Friday. Ooh, very nice. I think I'll find out in two days. <laughs> in, in podcast land, the past, the future. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, I I also just woke up from having a bunch of turkey, but I I ended up. It it kind of sucks, man. Like Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is not the time to get arrested. No, really. Yeah. yeah. I assume no night is the time to get arrested, but especially tonight. Did, yeah. did something happen? Because <laughs> you get arrested on a Wednesday, and you actually can't get out until Monday. So oh, because they're judges. I thought you were podcasting from jail right now. Well, no, no. Uh, yeah, we had to cancel the cast because Adrian's in the slammer. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah, you can't play much Legacy in jail. Yeah, no, you can't. You can, however, still play Legacy on the holiday. The, the, you know, in Future Friday, which is past Friday for the listeners, I'll be going to uh, Legacy F and M at uh, Gaming Etc. I know that's games. fucking awesome, huh? I know. Even even day after Thanksgiving, still doing it, still giving out a dual land. So, all right, then that actually makes me want to get right into that thing. So, Pat, Pat wanted us to do homework. Then Pat doesn't show up. Thanks, Pat. So. <laughs> I, I actually I did start reading that article the other day before he mentioned it too. There was one that was put up in a Facebook group about, uh, and I, I don't want to go too deep into like nitpicking somebody's article or anything. Yeah, I'm also so done with beating a dead horse. <laughs> I can't wait for as I posted, 
I can't wait for the whole Legacy is Dead crowd to blow over like they do every year, because at least once a year this this comes up, and I get really into it at the beginning, and then I just get so worn down and exhausted by the end, I'm just like, fuck it. So, I'm hoping this is the tailwinds. It's, it's kind of funny, because it's always, it is, it, it always seems like it's a how can we revive Legacy? Yeah. You, you know, and the guy, the, the, the thing was like trying to do Legacy without the reserved list. Right, in order to revive Legacy. Yeah. Now, basically, so basically, every card that is currently on the ba- on the uh, reserve list just gets banned. So let me let me ask you, because uh, I'm pretty sure I I, I can I know your stance on it already, but enlighten me anyway. What, what's your stance on that theory? Like, what I actually think is it would be fun as a like kind of wacky alternative format to play. So. Sure. I've seen people do no band list modern, and I think that's pretty interesting. I'd probably actually play modern if there wasn't the band list. Okay. Um, so I can see that, like, having a tournament where you just, hey, let's all try it up. Let's see if we can come up with some crazy brews. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be fun to try. I don't think it would actually be, uh, you know, it's not the savior of legacy or anything like that. I don't, see, okay, that's interesting. Um, I, I was gonna, Assume that you would just already be under the impression that Legacy doesn't need a savior. Oh yeah, I mean like, that's that's the first and foremost. <laughs> like 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 there was you know there was this discussion and like the article and you had just posted up that there was zero players for modern, zero for standard, thirty for Legacy and FNM. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nice. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so we got a revive Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening there? Well, I I had a bunch of people come up to me and they're like, yeah, you made some really good points, but you kind of just gave a big middle finger to the Midwest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so I think that's where all these articles and stuff are coming out of is people who don't live in on the east or west coast who want to play Legacy but can't because it's just not in their area. And, you know, my heart goes out to those people. I, I understand. Yeah. I don't know what to do for you guys. I'm sorry. But, yeah, it's, it's I mean, I don't know. It's, it's my, my, my thinking was like, I, and in, in reviewing the idea of like, well, so I, I hadn't considered it like as a fun try it once sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just kind of looked at it as like, there's no longevity in that format. As far as like, no, just getting rid of the restricted list and, and like anything, anything that's on the reserve list band. My first thought was, yeah, shardless bug becomes really terrible, especially <laughs> to burn and combo decks just rape people. Well, no, well, no, not combo. The the biggest hit is elves, dredge, and storm. Those are the ones that get wrecked the what? most. Uh, so storm and dredge lose lion's eye diamond, which. Sure. Knocks those decks from probably tier one to I would say tier three without okay. Lion's Eye Diamond. Right. And El- Elves loses Cradle. Elves would still probably stay as a tier two deck, but because Elves before the Legend rule changed, Elves sure. only ran one or two Cradles anyways, and it was still a decent deck. But it was when the Legend rule changed and people started running four Cradles that Elves really became a tier one deck. Okay. Um, so so Elves gets knocked down a peg, and then. Combo decks lose a bit. Well, not I don't know. I maybe it's just my familiarity. Like Shardless Bug gets worse because now you're fetching out Shocklands. Uh, Burn was already a bad matchup for Shardless Bug because yeah, Burn's <laughs> so so Burn becomes like awesome and and so, Burn becomes tier one without a question. So what just stops Burn? Well, Tinfins. 
like doesn't lose anything on the reserve list. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> That's, true. That's true. So I was just looking at it going, oh man, Shocklands, well, Shardless Bug is bad, Burn becomes better, and, and I was just thinking Combo Dex is Tinfins. I hadn't really considered Lion's Eye Diamonds. I think just Delver Decks in general get bad, just because they're, they're running the greediest of mana bases, and if you force them to do Shocklands... That that just makes all them all go down a peg. Uh, yeah, and big, I, I was looking at it thinking, geez, how bad does days actually look when you got to play a shock twice? Yeah, and then just kind of other big big losers where lands and aggro loan get hit with the loss of Mox Diamond. That's pretty big. Lands would probably fall apart. Aggro loan would definitely fall apart. Is that like, on? The, is that on the list? Yeah, uh, Mox Diamond's on the list. We, I'll actually so, talk about Mox Diamond when we talk about the SG IQ because I realize just how important that card is this weekend. Well, let's morph over a little bit because how did, uh, I mean, I know, so if Mox Diamond is on the reserve list, how'd they do the From the Vault Relics? So, yeah, that, that, that's a topic that comes up. So what people don't, don't didn't realize is, there was this gray area with the reserve list for a little while where, they weren't reprint, they interpreted, there's been very various interpretations of the reserve list over the year. And for a while, the interpretation is, we won't reprint these cards in a regular set, but Judge Foils and From the Vaults are, you know, Fair they're, game. yeah, they're the loophole. That's how you got Mox Diamond. That, there's a couple other ones in there too. What would the price be of a Foil Judge promo Underground C? Oh my god, a lot. <laughs> Considering the Judge Foil basic lands were like $200, I can only imagine what Foil, Judge Foil, Underground Sea, and other dual lands would be. It would be ridiculous. Gosh. Like, Force of Will, when it first came out, was like selling for $2,000. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's still a lot. Yeah, yeah it, I think it would probably rival power prices. Sure, sure. I mean, it, like, the Foil Force of Will almost does. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, I mean, other than that, we don't really lose much. Mud gets just wrecked. <laughs> Sorry, Kate, but your mud deck would get wrecked in this format. No Grim Monolith, no Metal Worker. Mm. Uh, actually, I'm sorry to say, Tinfins gets nixed. Why? Guess what card is on the reserve list? Entomb? Shallow Grave. So you're playing Tinfins with just Go- uh, Goyro's Vengeance. Yeah, that makes Children of Corliss a little bit more awkward. Yeah... Yeah, it does. Um, but other than that, it's not really big losses. So, uh, go, getting to the root of it, the root of it, and the point of the article was to make legacy. Uh, was to try and come up with a format that was like legacy but more accessible, yeah, and, like modern. <laughs> yeah, and I feel it's just you're losing the forest among the trees, where you're you're missing the point. You're trying to play more legacy, but the way to do that is not to change the format so it's not legacy anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, I think what it really revolves around is the biggest defenders that everyone's worried about is dual lands because no one's really complaining about the price of Null Rod or complaining about the price of City of Traders. Or, you know, they're expensive, you know, these cards are between $25 and $75, but I, I was actually uh, on Twitter with the author talking about it and uh, as I put it, I'm okay with staples costing between $25 and $75 in eternal formats where it's a one-time purchase. Yes. It's not like in standard where you have to spend $50 a, a card. And you're not dealing with rotation. 
Right, exactly. So it's a one-time buy-in. You can always sell out of them. And, you know, sure, it's a little, it's a, it's a bit more than most people would like to play, but it's not like you're just flushing that money down the drain. So I'm okay with the 25 to $75 price range. It's once you get in excess of 150 that people really start bulking. And the only thing that really falls into that are the dual lands and Gaia's Cradle. Well, and I think that for me is like, that, that, that becomes just an internal question. As far as like, well, alright, the price tag gets to be $150. Am I, how, how convinced am I or how convicted am I? What, where is my conviction in playing with this tropical island? Like, do I really intend to play green and blue for an extended period of time? Or am I just looking to do like, I mean, if, if I play magic, I can imagine if I play magic in a sense of this deck until rotation and this deck until rotation, then that's a scary way to look at a card. Like, like, do I really want to be playing blue green if it's only, only if it's the best deck is really a sad way to try to justify a purchase. But if it's like, well, you know, do I really want to be playing blue black? Well, it goes in ten fins and it goes in shardless bug. Yeah, I probably want to be playing blue black. But if it's just till rotation, then yeah. If your intent is to sell it as you purchase it, you got to be afraid of that. But if your intent is to play the game, then that's. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like suck it up, Buttercup. You know. Yeah. Um, one thing that was presented in the article that I actually really liked. I think it was probably one of the best parts of the article is. Our listeners have, have heard me say it before. My idea for fixing the high price tag of Legacy is to print snow-covered dual lands. Oh, gee. And people always say, it's like, oh, that's not really different enough. It doesn't get around the reserve list. One thing the author, Saffron Olive, uh, posted in there that I thought was a great idea is legendary dual lands. Yeah, I've heard that before, too. That That is, I think, a great fix because that's definitely different enough from regular dual lands that it gets around the reserve list. Being legendary uh, puts a uh, puts a much bigger restriction. It's a whole different rules play, so no one can compl- can say that this is the exact same card because you cannot just substitute four underground seas for four legendary blue black dual lands and call it a day. But what if, but what is it done? What do you mean? What does it do to the format if they print it? Well, what does it do to the player base? Uh, I think it allows people to get that stepping stone into the format where I feel the biggest hurdle is that first initial step. A lot of people don't know if they're going to like Legacy, if they're going to play it enough to justify the cost, and most people, once they try it, they're hooked. And I feel printing a cycle of legendary dual lands allows people, okay, I can play, like, one legendary dual land and one or two shocks and then run the rest of fetch lands. And that's a decent enough mana base that you can play that and it won't really affect your game more than running just straight shock lands. Oh my god. Uh, sorry. (laughs) Like, Merfolk doesn't need either of those. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, the thing is, like, I know, I know. What is it, what is it that would play mono blue Merfolk though? You have to understand. What is it you're trying? Yeah, I know. I, right. I want to jump into Legacy and play Shardless Bug. Like, if I want to jump into Legacy and play a third $3,500 deck, acknowledge that's the deck that you want to play getting into Legacy, <laughs> and just get ready to pay $3,500 for the deck. Like, I think my, my thought is, like, alright, so if you make, like, it just, his, his food for thought, right? <laughs> Let's say they print leg- legendary duels. Yep. Then demand for original duels goes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so would the price. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the price of the legendary duels would go up. 
So either way, you depending pay on how they're printed. If anything, I would All say right, let's say they let's say they mass produce them like basic lands. They're commons and standards. Sure. So if they mass produce them like basic lands, then then the demand of uh, original duels goes down further, and the price goes down further. Now, to to guys who have been playing fucking Legacy for twenty years, that probably doesn't matter because they probably bought the fucking Underground Sea at five bucks anyway. You know what I mean? But to the yeah, hey, I got twenty five. Okay, okay, twenty five. Sure, so you got twenty five, <laughs> but you haven't been playing for twenty years, you know. But so so the, the point was uh, the price has come down so that people could enter the format on uh, Legendary Duels. Okay, you still need. Like, what do you want to do, Omni Show? You still gonna buy Show and Tells, or do we have to reprint like legendary fucking sorceries now too? Yeah, I see what you're saying there. I can. You're right. If the mana base goes down, that price has to go somewhere. So I would see other staples like Show and Tell, definitely Wasteland and Force of Will. These other cards are definitely gonna see a spike because of the influx of players who now see Legacy as something attainable for them. Right. <laughs> right, right. I see the biggest benefit though is the availability, not so much just the price tag, but the availability, getting these cards out to the Midwest to shops that don't have access to duels or don't bother stocking them. I mean, it's not really an access, it's kind of a will in stocking. It's a will in uh, stock and a will in support. Right, exactly. But if you if you have those out there, they're easy access, players can get them and players can throw together a deck, because at this point... I would say the majority of legacy decks are modern decks with one or two spicy extras and a legacy mana base. Like, look at look at some legacy decks, and you'll see like Tarmogoyf, Dark Confidant, Liliana. Uh, these are all like modern era cards. I look through my legacy decks. Lord of Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> not okay. quite Lord of Atlantis, but Master of the Pearl Trident. What? Like, Lord of Atlantis is modern legal. Is it really? Yeah, oh, it was reprinted in Time Spiral. Oh, why isn't Merfolk not the best modern deck? Um, it's pretty <laughs> fucking good. Like, it just doesn't have true name nemesis and shit. Yeah, okay. Well, besides the point, if you look through most legacy decks, if you are playing with the most recent printings of those cards, the vast majority of that deck is going to have a modern border. And so I think it, it what it'll also increase is just the portability of a lot of these players that already have modern decks now have an easy way to just port that modern deck into a legacy deck and run it. it because they don't want to be... I mean, there's nothing stopping people from doing that already, but there is a bit of a social stigma if you show up at a legacy tournament and you're running Shocklands. I'm never going to judge you for it. In fact, I'll support you in any way I can. But I can definitely see people, uh, you know, not not really being ashamed, but not being gung-ho about bringing that modern deck to uh, to a legacy tournament. Sure. I mean, like, I don't know, man. It, it, I think it depends on the reason you play. You know, like, yeah. it really. It, I, I will. Oh God, I hope I never show up at a fucking legacy tournament with a foiled out deck. Like, that's <laughs> just. I, I really hope I'm never. That's there. the other thing. If they print legendary lands, they're gonna be they're gonna be available in foil, and now you can finally completely foil out that legacy deck. <laughs> yeah, and you can have like a playset of legendary lands. <laughs> It's just like I don't know. The article it sent itself wasn't. Uh, I I I wasn't. I started reading it. I I didn't actually finish it. Uh, yeah. There's a I, lot. Of, there's a lot of things I don't finish, like my turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because because your opponent scoops, right? <laughs> uh, they either scoop or I just fucking. I'm just looking at counterbalance top, going fuck this. Gotcha. 
But I most mostly the reason why I like that idea is because it just shuts up all these people who are saying, "Oh, it's inevitable that Legacy dies because eventually we're going to run out of dual lands." Oh, it's inevitable, inevitable. Uh, and it's like, fuck, just print these cards, and then you can just say, "Look here, there's a huge stack of them." You can shut up about that point that isn't even a real point, but I'm just so annoyed with people talking about it. I wouldn't even say, like, it doesn't even fucking matter. I mean, like, the thing is, is the, the cards exist, the format's gonna be played as long as people are playing the format, and, and the people who are, it seems like the people under the impression that the format dies are the people that don't play it anyway. So to them, the format is dead. And that's yeah, fine. Exactly. The only people who think Legacy is dying are the people who don't play Legacy, so why do you give a fuck what they think? <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 that's kind of my thing. I like. I'm, so I, here's, um, you know, there's a there's a guy. Now the the deck I think that that like you. I was just listening to and you were talking about taking a modern deck and pointing it over to Legacy, right? Mm. Okay, and and perhaps that article has some validity to this point. But like you were talking about Liliana, Dark Confidant, Time of Life. All right, so modern Jund can become Legacy Jund. All right. Uh, Chains get chains of Mephistopheles or whatever, you know, like this. This. Well, yeah, then those become the problem cards if if this hypothetical situation plays out. But to be fair, those cards are already kind of the problem cards. You don't see too many chains of Mephistopheles floating around, right? And you get some. It's just. It seems like a weird. It seems like a weird discussion to try to make legacy as price viable as standard. Like, the, to me, the problem with standard is rotation. That the prices just fucking tank. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's that's why I play Legacy, yeah. is because it doesn't do that. Yeah, I guess to clarify that, I, I was saying it not as a way to make it more viable. I was thinking strictly from an availability standpoint. And also, because I know some people have hit us up on Twitter uh, talking about they're afraid because they're just buying into Legacy and they just paid, you know, $100 for a dual land and they're afraid of a reprint and losing their value. Yeah, don't know what happened. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, even if they, it did happen, I would not be afraid. Sure, you may lose a couple bucks off the top, but it's not gonna go down to zero, because dual lands are 20 years old. Well, they're 20 <laughs> years old, but they're, they're getting soaked up by Commander also. Yeah, exactly. Commander, Cube, Collectible. Oh yeah, like, Cube. There is enough demand for dual lands that any reprints of alternative copies aren't going to tank the price, it's just going to prevent the price from growing in the future. Like, I mean, right, here's, here's a cute little fucking perspective now that you mention it that way. Uh, if we can say, and, and I don't even know that I would say vintage is dead, but if you could say vintage is dead, wouldn't that tank the price of a Black Lotus? Right. Like, think well, about that for a second. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it's the collectible nature of it. And I know people are bringing up in their head, they're probably in their car screaming at their radio, uh, well, it's the difference between black border and white border and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yes, that's definitely a factor too, but that's the factor between turning a, a dual land from $100 into $1,000 is that black border. Yes, you're going to have the diehard collectors who only want the best of the best, but there are going to be enough people with the nostalgia factor and just with the desire to have these for playability that it's going to support the price. I mean, look at Commander. Commander Edition Dual Lands, the gold border, the gold border Dual Lands are like $90, $80. And they're not even le- they're not even legal to be you, played. You mean the Dual Deck version? Yeah, the Dual Deck The ones. fucking, you know, with the World Series or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, yeah whatever Pro they're Tour? like. It was like one of the first ever promo products that Magic came out with, but... Yeah. You got like John Finkel's Pro Tour deck on a on a printed on cardstock that wasn't uh, actual Magic 
card, so it wasn't playable in tournaments, but you could play it in your casual decks. Those cards aren't even legal to be played in tournaments, and they're still going for close to $100 just for the fact that you can play it in Commander, you can play it in your cube, and it looks cool. So crossing from one way to the other, because you were just talking about blackboarded dual lands, mm-hmm. like, like if they reprinted them. I, 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 we, we both have seen it, and, and I, I was uh, with tweeting with this guy, Mark Evans, the other day on Twitter about he whiteboarded out his deck. And we know we know Dan did that with fucking twelve post. Yep, yep. Like so, so some people may want blackboarded duels, some people may want whiteboarded show and tells. You know, whiteboarded force of wills. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if blackboarded duels are actually as pimp as whiteboarded force of wills. <laughs> that is pretty fucking pimp. Yeah, I was playing with someone in a tournament who he was playing Storm and he white bordered all of his infernal tutor targets so that they would be easier to find when he's skimming through his deck. Right. That's one of the things I always liked about doing Shardless Bug was that when I when I wanted to fetch a duel it was white boarded. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of the deck was black boarded. I think I had actually my Sylvan Library wasn't. I was white boarded also, but like it just it was easier to quickly find a fetch. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. Well, can we can we put this topic on the shelf? I feel we've uh, we beat it to death over the yeah. last. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't worry. We could do this again <laughs> in fucking six months, right? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So yeah. let's let's shelf the topic of Legacy's Dead and talk about actual Legacy. Yeah, for let's talk about actual Legacy for a while. <laughs> I played a shit ton of Legacy this week. Ah, oh, I'm jealous. Uh, I played in four. Yeah, yeah, four Legacy tournaments this week. Online. No, in, in paper. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Must be a dead format. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> wait, wait, where did you play? A <laughs> uh, mix of that C, or, uh, no, three, because I was lazy and didn't go to that C. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't end up going to that C this week because I was just so burnt out from all the other legacy I was playing. But, it... <laughs> <laughs> what a rough <laughs> Sorry, <life>. Nate. Sorry, <laughs> Nate. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a mix of uh, gaming, etc., F and M, and then uh, the SCG Invitational Qualifier. Okay, yeah, so both up and acting. Yep, exactly. And then um, where, where else? Is, uh, Bob, is Bob playing up there? He uh, he is in the area. I don't know. I haven't seen him. He wasn't see him at any, yeah, he wasn't at any of the events I was at. He was he was uh, wondering if I knew anybody that was heading down to New Jersey. Yeah, he hit me up up for that. I don't. With it being uh, the day after Thanksgiving, I don't think I'm going to be able to make uh, New Jersey. I was, tempted to, I was tempted to fucking head down there just to get him a ride. I I was tempted too, and then I'm just like, I don't want to deal with Thanksgiving traffic coming back from an SCG. I'm actually curious if I got like, would a bus ticket help him out if I got him a bus ticket? <laughs> I I think it's more of just the fact that he he didn't want to do it. He just wanted uh, to carpool with some legacy peeps. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing, man. The fucking the cool shit about the game and the format is the people. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so played a uh, played a shit ton of Legacy. I played Agro Loam in in all the events. Oh, okay. Um, man, that deck is so fun. Completely <laughs> gave up on fucking Sneak and Show. No, it's not that I give it. I I have ADD when it comes to my decks. I I'll usually play a deck for a month or two and then move on to the next one. That's the fun thing about a collection. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, I mean for uh, tomorrow because I'm going uh, to back to gaming gaming center tomorrow. I'm going to see about Reanimator. I haven't sleep that up in a while. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, but uh, may, would... may you turn one grizzle brand all over the fucking day. Hell yeah! Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try the one that uh, top aided the GP, the one with uh, uh, is it charm and hapless researchers, oh, <laughs> the turbo loot. Okay. Oh, yeah. do you, you have the new Jace? No, no, I'm going to see if I can slam that up somehow. I was going to say, how are you going to sleeve that up without the new Jace? Yeah, bath bombs. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing on your Just desk? Just wait for that card to like... rotate so I can finally get it. Yeah, it'll be printed in a dual deck. That's, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so I did the SCG IQ. I, I went four and two, I believe, yeah. Once again, Caleb Dream crushed me, yet again. Nice. <laughs> buddy, buddy of the cast, Caleb. It's because... Uh, he's playing Red Green Lands, and Red Green Lands is very similar to Agro Loam. It just goes bigger and harder. <laughs> what are you dragging on your desk? Uh, nothing. Why? Because <laughs> I keep hearing the microphones doing crazy shit. Uh, I might just be dragging across my shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I got one of those uh, iPhone iPhone. Oh, things. all right. I got you. I got you. Uh, Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm we're gonna not... get. You know what? It's I. It, Interestingly enough, last Friday was Black Friday, so I picked you up a new headset. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, but this is Future Friday. <laughs> right, right. Unfortunately, you don't get it for another month and a half. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. So Caleb dream crushed you? Yeah, he dream crushed me. He, uh... Turns out when you're both running, you know, Mox Diamonds and Wastelands and Life in the Loam, the player that also runs Exploration tends to win. Ooh. So we got into a bit of that battle, and yeah, I knew the end was coming. It, it just happened. And then my other loss of the day was I got turn one by Storm. Oh, which one? Was it Ant or Tess? It or was, it was Ant. It was okay. Ant. Right. Yeah, turn one with Ant is not that common, but it happens. <laughs> I don't know if you heard last week, but it, um, I ended up going, when I went up to gaming, etc. for the FNM, yeah, yes, I'll let you borrow the deck. Yeah, I borrowed Tess. My round one was against Ant. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, really the same awkward. person that you played against, uh, Scott. No, I played against Will. Ah, uh, okay, never mind. But, really yeah, I mean, if if I get knocked out of the tournament because I get turned one by Storm, I mean, I'm not really that upset. It's not like I punted in any major way. Right. Uh, but also, big props to our friend Jim, not Dredge Jim, as he as his nickname has evolved. He uh, took the entire thing down with Dredge. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, he's a good guy. I love seeing him fucking. I love seeing him top a table with Dredge. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome yeah. shit. That's. I think that's why I'm running uh, Reanimator next week. I'm like, oh, fuck! If Dredge can top eight, so can Reanimator. Uh, well, it's a different pilots, Jerry. Yeah, different pilots. You know, Jim. You know, Jim. Hey, man. People slacking <laughs> on their graveyard hate, or people slacking on their graveyard hate. Mm, maybe, maybe some people could just command the dead. <laughs> oh man. So, 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 what were you doing, aggro loam? Yep, went right. uh, with aggro loam. So, uh, leading over, how does that, how does that compare to like uh, reliquary retreat that you were doing? So, you, I mean, they're both based on lands a lot. Yeah, they're similar. Well, they both revolve around Knight of the Reliquary, which is really becoming one of my favorite cards. That card is just so good. <laughs> There's so much play to them. Just the fact that you can just uh, activate them and just get any number of tricks, like. Find a Mesa Myth, find the Wasteland, mm-hmm. find Paracus, 
uh, find the thespian stage. Uh, just and even if you wanted to get really tricks, you can also do like find the bajuka bog, find the sajiri step to give it protection from a color. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so much play with him, and also like <laughs> like other cool tricks you can do is like you can uh, like attack with uh, attack with knight of the reliquary. Uh, see, like, see if they're gonna block or anything, and if it's not favorable, you can maze of it the knight to untap it and then tap it again in order to, uh, get a land, uh, into play that you need, and, like, if you also, you know, getting on, going back to the, uh, Reliquary Retreat deck, if you throw Batter Skull on it, it's even stupider, because now you're attacking and activating. Because hmm. you can, uh, attack Attack with Knight of the Reliquary with Batter Skull, and then still in the declared blockers phase, you can tap Knight of the Reliquary to find a fetch land, and then tap the fetch land to get another land, and now that Knight of the Reliquary has just boosted its power and toughness by two. Okay. So they can, like, block thinking they're going to trade, and now all of a sudden they're losing. Hmm. So Knight is just a really, really good card that had not been seeing a lot of play lately, and it, it's coming back, which I like to see. Speaking of the Reliquary Retreat deck, though, we had a uh, listener send send a deck list in. I heard yeah. you guys touch on it last week, but I was, I was so honored you wanted to wait for me to actually talk about it. Well, I mean, I'm, let's... I, I don't know if you noticed this about me, but I'm not really a fan of talking about what I don't know anything about. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm perfectly legit to like <laughs> defer to somebody with some actual uh, experience with something. I don't yeah. like to, I don't like to make shit up. No bullshit in this house. Yeah, yeah. Life's too short for bullshit. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I wanted to wait till. Uh, I mean, you've been playing a, a reliquary retreat deck and. Jason had sent in, Jason Trice had sent in a, uh, a list that it sounds like him and some guys have been working on anyway. And mm-hmm. I, so I wanted to get your insight back to him as yeah. the, on the deck itself. Yeah. Uh, like, so just to read it off so everyone's on the same page. Got 13 creatures in it. Uh, we got four Noble Hierarch, four Knight of the Reliquary, one Stoneforge Mystic, two True Name Nemesis, one Vendillion Click, one Quasali Pride Mage, four Retreat to Coralhelm, four Swords to Plowshares, four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, two Sylvan Library, three Green Sun Zenith, three Ponder, one Council's Judgment, one Batter Skull, one Jace the Mind Sculptor, and then for lands we got two Tundra, three Tropical, one Savannah, four Windswept Teeth, four Misty Rainforest, one Wasteland, one Caracas, one Dryad Arbor, one Forest, one Thespian Stage, and one Dark Depths. So what's your impression here? So pretty similar to the list I was running with uh, a couple differences. It's actually pretty similar to the first list I came up with, which I think makes the most sense on paper. But I did notice a few things about it after playing it in a few tournaments that, that I ended up changing. So what's, what's, what's different in this list from your original list? Um, so, it's really just minor tweaks in my list that I ran. So, like, I ran two Jace, I ran, uh, Jit, Batter Skull, and Sword of Fire and Ice, uh, whereas this one he's just running one Batter Skull, which kind of makes sense because he's running only one Stoneforge Mystic, whereas I was running three. So what were you sacrificing? 
Um, I didn't have the Kozali Pride Mage. I was only running three retreats to Coral Helm. Uh, was not running, or I was only running like one or two Green Sun Zenith. Uh, Were you running only one Sylvan Library? Yeah, one Sylvan Library. So it was more of just like a shaving. Okay. Pretty similar in theory, just the numbers were a little off. Okay. Um, but what I ended up finding out after playing the deck a lot is this deck really wants days. Um, I know I said it back when we first saw the list at SCG that I, I was confused that he ran days. And after playing with the deck, days is just really good in this deck the way it plays out. Um, because you, this deck is a tap out deck. You want to be slamming turn one, no, uh, noble hierarch, turn two, knight of the reliquary. You're not really leaving mana up. And because of that, um, you, you want to have a pr- means of protecting your creatures more than just the force of wills, uh, as a way, uh, to make sure your combo goes off. And you're trying to win the game pretty fast. Yes, you can go long, which is nice about the deck. But ideally, you're playing this deck in the first one, two, and three turns of the game, which is when Days is at its finest. So I would really recommend uh, adding four Days into the deck. Four Days, okay. Yeah, uh, which is tough because the list is is pretty tight. So by the by the second time by the second revolution of the list, uh, hmm. what had you changed? So Green Sun Zenith have been cut entirely. Um, Green Sun Zenith, it's nice. But you don't need it because if you think about it, if you're going turn one Green Sun Zenith uh, for Noble Hierarch, which uh, you can't you can't do turn. Oh yeah, one, sorry. Right? Turn turn one Green. So Sun you get a Green Sun Zenith Arbor. for a Dryad Arbor. For right? a Dryad Arbor, it's like that's best case scenario. But more often than not, you're going like turn two Green Sun Zenith for Noble Hierarch. And that's just awkward on your curve. Yes. So I was just going for the more natural uh, method. Uh, because you're already running four Knight of the Reliquary, so you don't really need to tutor those guys up too much. Mm-hmm. And it was really just nice when you had it in your hand, ready to go to get the Dryad Arbor, and then you had Knight of the Reliquary in your hand. But there were a lot of awkward situations where your land was a tropical island, and then you were tutoring up a Dryad Arbor, and then praying you hit a white source. I see. Uh-huh. So, if you're going to run a Green Sun Zenith uh, version of the deck, I almost feel like you want to cut blue so you can really maximize Green Sun Zenith by running uh, other green creatures. I see. Because Green Sun Zenith can't get the True Names, you can't get the Stone Forge, can't get the Vendillion Click. Out of curiosity, because uh, I, I was noticing, like, you were trying to cast another Reliquary, and it would just get countered. Uh, would you, which is why I added days. <laughs> like, would you, would you even bother with, like, Natural Order? Uh, I just feel natural ordering for a Knight of the Reliquary is kind of a waste. It is. <laughs> like, if I'm, I... I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just looking at it compared to Green Sun Zenith. Yeah, like, it, I could see that and then adding, like, a Progenitus, because I would like a... <laughs> that would fuck me up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure, I can land, I can deal with your Knight of the Reliquary, Progenitus hits the... Yeah, like, I like having that option, <laughs> like, I already have the uh, Reliquary Retreat in play, and I draw natural order, I'm like, oh, now I just get to combo off. Sure, I'd grab Knight of the Reliquary in those situations, right. but I would definitely want to run a Progenitus in the deck in order to have a, have that option. Just for the what-the-fuck factor. Yeah. Well, uh, Josh Sissio was running a list similar to that. He wasn't running the uh, the Reliquary Retreat, 
but he was running a deck with Birds of Paradise, Noble Hierarch, Dryad Arbor, and then he was using Natural Order to find Craterhoof Behemoth and, and uh, uh, Progenitus, and that was his win condition. So it was like Natural Order Bant. I kind of, I kind of blacked out there for a second because like you got to be Josh to get away with that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, no, I, I can't just pick up a Sissio deck and think that I could do a Sissio fucking run with it. Yeah, well, it was it was originally an Eli Cassis deck, so you okay. got some some pedigree with that deck already. All right. Um, Not things that I think I could pick that up either. Yeah, but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Things I really like about this deck is I love the Thespian Stage Dark Dev combo with Knight. I'm running it in Aggro Loam, mm-hmm. and there were many, many games that were unwinnable until I assembled that Thespian Stage Dark Devs combo. Um, there are times when it's terrible, and you realize you could have used those resources elsewhere, and it would have been better, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of games that are unwinnable if you don't have that combo. Hmm. So I like to see that in the in the deck. Um, I think... Going back quickly to the green to the green sun zenith, I think it's definitely a viable plan. I just think it's a much different list than what we see now. It's going to be a much more green white centered list and not so blue heavy. So what what about this? Because uh, I don't. What, what's your? I'll share my impression and then you just feedback on it and let me know if I'm being an idiot here. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll never play. I, I have never wanted to play two copies of Sylvan Library in the same deck. The second one's useless. Yeah, with... So, most decks that are running two copies of, of Sylvan Library are decks that don't have other means of manipulating the deck. So I run two copies of Sylvan in Aggro Loam because mm-hmm. it's it's really my only way to get deck manipulation. Okay. Um, and even in that case, it's almost like it's Dark Confidants 5 and 6. Okay. Um, in this deck, I'd actually rather shave that extra copy of Sylvan Library and instead run an extra copy of Jace. Okay. Now, your, your second ver- which which version of the deck was it the whole time you were playing the deck? Did you use so much equipment? Because you said you had Batter Skull Jet and Sword of Fire and Ice. Yep, exactly. And that's when I was running a much heavier Stoneforge package. And was that I just like the second. The second evolution of the deck? No, that was actually the first evolution of the deck. It, okay. The first evolution was running three stone forge and then one of each equipment. And what I realized was I really liked the equipment and didn't really like the stone forges. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, the stone forges were just really slow because when you're trying to put together your combo, you don't really have the resources to dedicate to putting out a stone forge mystic, fetching a batter skull, and then spending a turn putting the batter skull in play. That really lends more to it's a control deck. Yeah, where you leave mana up for you know counterspell and swords. Then this deck's just going all in, and the Stoneforge Mystic doesn't really play well with it. So I ended up cutting the Stoneforge Mystic entirely, mm-hmm. but keeping the Jit and the Sword of Fire and Ice because I really liked those. Because late game Noble Hierarch turns into a super dead card. It's it's basically okay. a it's basically a squire. It's a one two late game. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're running sword of fire and ice and Umazawa's jit in the deck, that noble hierarch all of a sudden becomes a threat that they have to deal with. So were you play were you playing true name nemesis? Yep, I was running uh, I was running two true name two Vendillion click. No, you were playing click also. 
Yeah, Click well, Click plus Caracas is just really good on its own. Yeah. So having access to that combo is nice. And then throwing Sword of Fire and Ice on Click is a game-winning combination. Okay. Um, so uh, I ended up cutting the Stoneforge Mystics to make room for the Dazes, and then just leaving, cutting the Batter Skull, because without Stoneforge, Batter Skull loses a lot of its value. But keeping the Umazawa's Jit and the Sword of Fire and Ice in there, because also it's not bad throwing one of those on a Night of the Reliquary either. <laughs> how's, um, <clears throat> out of curiosity, I don't know, man. Um, I've, I've, I don't play a hell of a lot of white. I mean, when I do, it's usually, it's not for removal. I'm not, my, my point, I guess, is like, I'm, I've never found a desire myself to play Swords to Plowshares main deck. So, it, Swords to Plowshares is one of those cards that almost everyone who's running white adds into their deck because they feel they have to, but it's not really right for every deck. So if you're running a more aggro, like, that's one of the reasons why I never liked the Patriot Delver lists, is because Swords of Plowshares and Delver are a non, are a nonbo. You don't want to be dealing them three damage a turn just to give them five life back. Oh, that's a, that's a good point. And now this isn't a Delver deck, but that is a good point. I hadn't right. really thought about it that. Like, I would, I just, like, Swords to Plowshares, like, most of the, like, I don't know, putting a deck together, I want to be able to consider a field. And like swords, uh, swords to plowshares is bad against any deck that can actually draw seven off Grizzlebrand. You can't target Emrakul. It's useless against Ant. Like there's there's so many times where th- there's a lot of matchups where I don't really I don't want it against Miracles. Like there's a lot of times where I just don't want swords. It's necessary for the decks that are presenting a quick clock. Um, so it's great against the Delver decks. It's great against Elves to keep them off a critical mass of Elves. Um, it's good against Tarmogoyfs. It's just, it's really good in playing against decks that have a slightly faster clock than you, but aren't combo. So your impression then is that, like, Sword's main deck is good, it's meta-dependent. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing in a meta that's nothing but combo, like Storms, Sneak and Show, uh, Tin Fins, uh, Dredge, it's like, yeah, Swords is not going to be good. But if your meta is Shardless Bug... Rug Delver, Elves. Shardless uh, Bug? I don't, I don't know that Shardless Bug cares about You, you need to be able to deal with the Tarmogoyf, and you need to be able to deal with, you know, the Gurmag Angler. Well, yeah, but whenever I was playing Shardless Bug, you saw it's one creature, I just cascaded into another. Yeah, I mean, Shardless Bug is not the ideal situation. I mean, Rug is the ideal situation. It, okay. Like, it is your best friend against Rug. Sure, okay. Uh, because they're just trying to one-for-one one you, and it's your cheapest answer, so... Against decks that are going one for one resource denial, um, that's that's where it really shines. And so so and now I have to ask this question as post what you referenced there. So swords is good against rug. Wouldn't path be better? But path is worse against elves. Uh, path has this thing where people are really stocking up on their basic lands because of blood moon and other reasons. <laughs> okay. Um, so path is just too much of a risk. Okay. But going back to my first point, though, is Swords does not pair up well in Delver decks where you're just trying to kill them dead quick. The last thing you want to do is give them life. Right. The reason why it's good in this deck is because, ideally, you're comboing off with Knight of the Reliquary and killing them in one turn. Yeah, it's so, like Splinter Twin. Yeah, so giving them three, <laughs> four, five life doesn't really matter that much because right. you're going to kill them. Yeah, I'll whack you for 60. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> it's like, sure, it's annoying if you're on the true name Nemesis plan, but... 
I mean, you probably have inevitability in that game plan anyway, so it's okay giving them a little bit of extra life. Yeah. Um, it's it's a necessary evil. Keep in mind, you're playing blue, green, white. What are your options for removal besides source to plowshares in those colors? Right. No, I just I just look at like, and anytime I play source to pl- anytime I have played source to plowshares in a deck, I always ended up going, man, there's so many fucking matchups where this card is just so dead. I just side it out. You're right. Well, I kind of like those cards sometimes because it makes your sideboard decisions real fucking easy. Yeah, but it makes my game one suck ass. <laughs> that's, the combo, that's the combo player in you speaking, Adrian. It is. <laughs> you got me. You need that. I, I would, if I was looking at this list and it wasn't running the Source of Plowshares, my first suggestion would be you need to add Source of Plowshares because <laughs> this deck does not win fast enough that it can race a Delver deck. You so, need that Source of Plowshares. And when Delver makes up, you know, 33% of the average meta, that's sacrificing a lot of percentage points if you don't run swords. And I, I guess, you know what, you just kind of fucking hit it there with me. Um, like, it, you you mentioned this deck and like, oh, there's a combo, and I'm like, okay, well then it's a combo deck, and I look at it going, this is not a combo deck. <laughs> this may have a combo in it, but it's definitely, and I see the same thing with the freaking, uh, what, uh, Monastery Miracles. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, that's not a combo deck. Oh my god, like, it shouldn't take you 50 minutes to start your combo. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But it's a combo deck. It's just a combo deck that also plays like a fair deck. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, long and short, I really like the list. Um, I would definitely add days. I feel if you play days with it, you'll just... It's one of those, it's very unintuitive. It looks like Daze doesn't belong, but the way the game, the way the deck plays out, you really want Daze, so you can just go turn one Noble, turn two Knight, and be able to protect it. You can play that Knight, and if they try and do something to it, you can Daze whatever they're trying to do tonight, and still replay your land next turn and still have three mana to cast uh, uh, Retreat to Coral Helm. So it doesn't impede your, your progress at all, because you have so much ramp. Um, I like... The Green Sun Zenith, if you go more focused on Green Sun Zenith, I would, if you were doing that, I would probably uh, cut down on the True Name Nemesis and give more value uh, green targets, like add a Scavenging Ooze. Uh, you know. Deathrite Shaman, maybe? Yeah, Deathrite Shaman if you wanted to splash. And- oh, actually, Deathrite Shaman doesn't work well with fucking either Reliquary, does it? Um, Yes and no. I mean, it's another ramp card, which is nice. Um, but... Taking one or two uh, damage off of Night of the Reliquary isn't the hugest deal, but it means you get to cast the Night of the Reliquary in the first place. Yeah, and you can suck lands out of your opponent's graveyard. Yeah, I'd rather... Exactly. I'd rather have a smaller Night of the Reliquary and actually have one, rather than not be able to cast my Knight and have it be like a 5-5. Five, five. There's an extra way to get white mana, too, yeah? yeah? Yeah. I mean, even better, I would almost say, you know, add a Birds of Paradise. It's the the OG. <laughs> yeah. And flying with a jet. Yeah, exactly. And like being able to find the the dried arbor is definitely nice. It's just I felt it was in the in the bluer blue, heavier blue version of the deck. Um it was a little awkward because I was I was fetching up uh dried arbor off a of tropical island and then not being able to cast my Knight of the Reliquary. So if if you if Green Sun Zenith is your pet card, run with it. Make it a Knight of the Reliquary Green Sun Zenith deck. If it's not, if you just put it in there because you think it's good, I would go with a more um, other other means of ramping out because that's the problem is you can't you can't find a noble hierarch on turn one with Green Sun Zenith, and that's what you really want to be doing with Green Sun Zenith is making it your ramp card. 
Um, and I feel if you went towards a more green-white version, you wouldn't run into the problems with Tropical Island as often. Um, also, you have to really be careful when shaving the blue cards because people don't realize it, but you have to have a critical mass of blue cards in your deck in order to run Force of Will. Like, I see lists that run 12 blue cards counting the Force of Will, and I'm like, good luck actually casting it. You know, I would say in order for a deck to run Force of Will, counting Force of Will, you need at least 18 blue cards. Um, so that's another thing you need to be careful with when you're when you're adjusting numbers to not lose sight of that. Um, so I think there's two different directions this list can go in. I much preferred the blue-based version, running Days, uh, Jaces, and cutting back on the Green Sun Zenith. But if you're looking for a more Maverick build, I would use Maverick as an example. Uh, build off of that, look at the value green creatures that Maverick uses, and then just splashing blue for Coral Helm and, you know, Brainstorm and maybe maybe Jace or, or a Vendillion Click or the like. Hmm. Well, yeah. so... <laughs> sums that up. Yeah, I, I really like the deck. I think it's a ton of fun. Definitely a deck I'm going to come back to. I just have so many decks on my bucket list right now that I, I have trouble dedicating all my time to one list. Like, Aggro Loan's my baby right now, and even that I'm sleeving up to try some other stuff. I, I, I do miss sleeving up a bunch of different decks. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's all right. Like, we'll get uh, together and go from there. Speaking of sleeving up different decks, I have a scumbag story from the SCG IQ. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Right. So, so what was it, game two sided into a second deck? <laughs> no, 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 no. So I'm playing, I'm playing my deck, uh, playing aggro loam. And are, you, no, are, are you the scumbag in this story? No, I'm not the scumbag. <laughs> are, you, are you sure? Uh, I mean, maybe. I might okay. be the scumbag. Uh, okay. Maybe, probably not. <laughs> um, right. But... Yeah, so I have my aggro loan deck, and in the sideboard for Miracles is Garrick Relentless. The, <laughs> the flip Garrick? Yeah, flip Garrick. I don't even know what the fuck that thing does. Oh, against it's sick against Miracles. So. Oh, right, right. Terminus the Death Wolves make another one. Well, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. It, so flipped, once Garrick flips uh, to the Veal Cursed, his plus one is put a 1-1 one, one wolf into play. And it's either as minus one or as zero is sack a creature, search your library for a creature, and put it in your hand. So it's like, oh, you Terminus? Cool, I'll make a wolf. Next turn, I'll sack the wolf, find my Knight of the Reliquary, and play it. <laughs> or uh, sack the wolf, find my Priestess of Ta- uh, my, uh, Titania Protector of Aragoth, and play it. And it's just like the ultimate answer for miracles because they don't really have a way to deal with planeswalkers other than attacking it with monastery mentors, which is hard to do if they've just terminus. Mm-hmm. Um, so Garrett's really good. He's in my sideboard, and this is game two of a match. I'm playing against uh, a pod deck, and my opponent uh, surgical extractions my punishing fires. Okay. And keep in mind, right now the board state is like I had. He has. Uh, like one card in, in hand. I have a Knight of the Reliquary, a Liliana, a Sylvan Library, and a, a Dark Depths, and a Thespian Stage in play. So I'm literally going to kill him next turn. Because uh-huh. uh, I'm going to, at the end of his turn, make a 20-20 and attack him when when I untap. So he surgical extractions my Punishing Fire uh, uh, during his turn. And he picks up my deck and he starts going through it. And he comes to the Garrett card... And he literally just goes, judge, judge. And, oh, actually, first he goes, oh, I'm really sorry, I have to do this. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, judge. And judge comes over, and uh, he goes, 
Uh, yeah, Judge, my opponent isn't using a checklist card. I can see uh, that this is a flip card through the sleeve. Keep in mind, I'm using Dragon Shield Gold, which are like an inch-thick, opaque plastic. And the judge takes the card, and he looks it over, and he goes through, and he goes, yeah, I don't see it, continue play. And I'm just like, really? You're going to try and get that as your free win? You're going to try and like call on a judge saying, oh, my my opponent has a manipulated deck, he's cheating, he's able to see it. So, so he... But he couldn't call the judge until he saw the card, right? Right, because well, he remember he's surgical extraction me. Oh, oh so I as see. he's going through my deck, he sees the Garrick Relentless, and he's like, "Oh, judge, I can see that this is a flip card." Uh, so let that be a lesson to you guys: win, win on your own right. And the the light at the end of the tunnel for that story is I then untapped and killed him. Uh, yeah, so. Be careful, guys. Try. I. I. What I ended up doing is I ended up just buying pitch black uh, Ultra Pro sleeves after that round and just sleeving it up as such. Um, but you know, for those of you out there that are running flip cards, it might be worth it to run checklist cards. I was actually curious of, as they've been doing those and stuff. Like, I mean, I know, you know, when we're just playing a T and shit, doesn't really matter, right? You got. Um, I think you play with a checklist card in your deck because you have some fucking altered Delvers. Yeah, I got 3D Delver altered, so I run the checklist cards just so I can run those 3D Delvers. And and then I was kind of wondering, but I'm like, well, you know, you can have altered checklist cards, mm-hmm. you know, and like, well, does the checklist card then actually functions as a proxy? Yep. Like, so why can't you just run a proxy? <laughs> well, like, do you actually even need legitimate Delvers if you just have the checklist card? So you are required to have actual Delvers because you there's a rule in the in the rule book that says any card that you're playing you have to physically prove that you own it. Um, so these this which comes into play with these checklist cards and it used to come into play with. Uh, you know, back in the old days, people, tournaments used to allow people to proxy expensive cards as long as they had them on you. So, oh, I'm playing vintage. Uh, yes, I have a proxy Black Lotus, but here it is in my binder. I can prove that I own it, so I'm allowed to run this proxy, even though this isn't necessarily a proxy event. Um, so that's how that, but that's like going way, way back. Like that hasn't been around in probably like 15 years, but carrying over with the checklist cards, you have to prove that you own it, and not only do you have to prove that you own one of them, if you're running four Delver of Secrets and running four checklist cards, you have to have four actual Delver of Secrets cards with you to prove that you could you could play it if need be. Hmm. Um, but I see where you're going with that. Like, I think, yeah, why does it have to be a checklist card? Why can't it just be, you know, any other magic card that just has, you know, Delver of Secrets written on it, proving that, you know, this is Delver of Secrets, not anything else? Hmm. Yeah, it was just uh it's just weird. I don't know. Yeah. So 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 that guy tried to call the judge, I guess that leads us over in the scoop into top eights and I'll scoop that guy in for the <laughs> I don't know. You uh, you got scoops for top eights? Uh yeah, a couple of listeners came up to me at the tournament. They said how much they liked the podcast. So it was it was awesome talking to you guys. Uh Adam and Jared, I remembered your names. Oh, I finally got it. 
Sorry to do a disservice to everyone else who came up before and, and have already gotten their shout-outs, but you, you guys still know who you are. Adam and Jared, everyone knows who you guys are. <laughs> and, and I wasn't even there, but I know they came down from Maine, right? Yeah, I know Adam did. I, I don't know if Jared... Jared was saying how he actually used to... You know, he knew Pat before Pat ever joined the cast. Okay. And he was actually telling me how his son listened, so shout-out to Jared's son. Shout out to to Jared for being a dad. Yeah, yep. And uh, shout out to Jared because he sits there with his son with the volume, and every time we swear, he just turns the volume down real quick. Ooh. (laughs) Oh, he listens to this with his son? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, shit, I don't even let my son listen to this. (laughs) So shout out to the vigilance of a father. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man, I feel bad. Anyway. Yeah, you should feel bad. You're a bad person. Pat's got to get me back to dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. People, God damn it. People came up to me and said how funny they thought the dad jokes were. <laughs> I'm like, no. Stop it. Don't encourage them. <laughs> Someday, Jerry, you're going to have kids. Don't uh, worry. We'll, we'll I may already have too. kids. I don't know. Yeah. Tijuana's <laughs> a hell of a place. Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta you got to trade stocks to make money. Those fucking... Uh, what? Tijuana, what? Tijuana, what? Is that what you said? Tijuana, wanna? <laughs> oh my god, never mind. Alright. So, and then, uh, I guess this way for fucking scoops in the top eight. It's Kyle, cause he got me, he, he sent me a message too, he's like, he just started checking out the original Sons of Anarchy episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I fucking watched that scene, like me and Lita went into that show fucking weekly. The whole time was like, this shit was good. And I'm like, yeah, this show was awesome. And I started putting it on Netflix season one, episode one. I got all into it again. I almost didn't sleep that night. <laughs> like, Lita had to change the channel. She's like, you're not going to. And I'm like, maybe I should just stay awake all night and go to work in the morning because I'm going to oversleep. She goes, I'm going to just put on something else. Oh, man. But, so I'm scooping to Kyle to fucking. And Lita for getting me to bed to fucking make sure I could get up for work. And Kyle for getting me back to remembering how fucking good that show was. Um. Where the hell? Oh yeah, and uh, I'm gonna scoop in uh, Pat for dodging me yet again. Yeah, <laughs> Pat, I, I think we're getting into double-digit dodges at this point. Mm. Um, and do, I'm trying to think if I got other MTG scoops. Hey, do you have you seen anything actually happening with these new commander decks? There's been nothing getting played. Oh, actually, yeah, I guess we can talk about that. I'm playing a card in the commander decks. What's that? Vine Crasher Centaur. That guy is a fucking beast. What is it? Oh my god. So it's three colorless and a green for a 1 1. <laughs> yep. I gotta tell you, that sounds overpriced. Yeah, overpriced. Overpriced. <laughs> uh, trample. It's not past the vanilla test. It has trample. <laughs> okay. Alright, we're getting there with the French. A 1 1 trample's pretty good. <laughs> 1 1 trample's pretty it's good. Gonna, it's gonna kill, it's gonna kill a 1 0 and hit you. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not gonna hit you, it's just gonna kill that ant. <laughs> There's nothing to trample over. <laughs> well, it's a 1 0. Well, yeah, but the, oh, yeah, well, then, <laughs> another the ant die out of, uh, anyways. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> anyways. So he's a 1 1 trample. 1 1 trample. When he comes into play, uh, he gets a plus 1 plus 1 counter for all lands in all graveyards. Okay, now that actually does make him sound like a house. I was listening, I'm like, one He's not done yet. He's not done yet. Uh, yeah, it turns out there's a lot of lands and graveyards in Legacy. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, unless there's a lot of death rites that are just fucking eating them up there. Yeah, but it, 
Death Rush. Anyways, yeah, I I played him on turn three during the tournament, and he was a seven seven. Is this in the fucking Night of the Reliquary deck? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Fucking that sounds that sounds pretty cute. Yeah. So he can be Green Sun Zenith. He can't be Abrupt Decayed. Can't usually be bolted. It's basically source of plowshares or nothing on him. Uh, and yeah, he's also, not, he's not legendary, right? Non-legendary. So he's really good. And then his second ability is anytime his a la- second ability. <laughs> anytime a land goes into any graveyard. So even when your opponent's lands die, if your opponent fetches, it triggers it. Yeah. Uh, if it's in your graveyard, you can pay green, green, and return it to your hand. Yeah. So it doesn't die. So even if they kill it and it goes to your graveyard, they can't fetch for the rest of the game, otherwise he's coming back. Yeah, but it still sounds like Mist Hollow Griffin's better, because you don't have an activation cost to pay on top of the cast. Mist Hollow Griffin doesn't become a 9-9 on turn 3. Right, no. no. <laughs> also, he combos with Liliana, because I can just consistently uh, plus Liliana, Knight of the Reliquary, bring him back to my hand. Plus Liliana, activate Knight of the Reliquary, bring him back to my hand. So you can strip your opponent's hand while still drawing cards yourself. Oh, because if they discard a land. Yeah, well, yeah, even if they discard a land, if they fetch it, and land were to go into the graveyard from anywhere, from any player, you can return it to your hand. Which is actually really cute against land's gamble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just a house. Like, he's a huge guy. He, like, unwittingly has protection from a lot of things. And he comes back over and over again, even if he does die. So well, one thing I really liked about it was sometimes you'll have life in the loam, and you're milling life in the loam, and you start milling threats. And that feels real bad because there's no way to get him back in the deck. But this guy, if you mill him from life in the loam, you're like, oh, okay, he's coming back next turn. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Oh. Also, real quick, a funny moment from the tournament was... I I had a I got a bad series of hands that I ended up mulling to five, and on my mull to five I emptied my hand and played a Knight of the Reliquary as a five five on turn one. I was on I was on the draw and my hand was Knight of the Reliquary lands land Mox Diamond Mox Diamond and then my draw for the turn was another land. So, once again, this is why Agrolome's my baby. If I was going to run, go to a, uh, a big tournament anywhere, uh, Agrolome would be the deck I would sleeve up. Hmm. Um, I'm still leaning towards Merfolk for now. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, I, I, man, I, I'm almost together, and then I'm fucking looking for the rest of Tin Fins quick. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I I just, I love playing combo. <laughs> I just do love playing combo. Yeah. Uh, so, aside, anyway, so back to, uh, top eights. Do yes. you have anybody else you want to scoop in a top eight? Uh, no, but I'll interrupt you if I can think of one. Okay. Uh, scoop in a top eight Santa. Yeah, Santa Claus. He's up yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Evan Nyquist. Yeah. I, I just, uh, he mentioned that, that, or actually Andrew mentioned it, that, uh, they're doing, they got Team Tusk Vision, Tusk Vision on fucking Twitch right now. So I just clicked it on quick, see Evan on coverage. Nice. On, uh, he's under the feature match table, which is fucking cool. And, um, yeah, so shout out to the Team Tusk guys. And, and Jim Not Dredge. <laughs> Jim Not Dredge. Congrats, buddy. Yeah. 
and uh, hopefully I'll get out to some of these places fairly soon. Like I said, I think I picked up the Force of Wills last Friday. Mm-hmm. Just uh, now, I'll be on the hunt for wastelands, Sweet. and that's yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. Awesome, man. Aside from that, uh, I'm still fat and fucking sleepy from Thanksgiving. And, oh boy. And uh, I hope you did. You get into any fist fights Black Friday shopping last week? Uh no, but I plan on doing it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully nobody got arrested Wednesday because that makes for a long fucking weekend. Yep. Hopefully. And uh, yeah. Let's everybody get ready for the fucking Christmas season. This shit's gonna be nuts. Oh yeah. Alright. Even though Pat's not here, he can play us out with something sweet. It <laughs> sounds so cheesy when you say that. I know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Trees decorate the house with lights at night. 